0: mind opening your Bibles to Acts 13. If you're getting used to your Bibles, it's about three fourths of the way back after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John comes the book of Acts. If you didn't bring a Bible, we say this every week, we have ones in the seat rack there in front of you that have NIV on the end of them. You can pull those out and turn to page 760. Page 760, that'll get you right there to Acts 13. And if you don't own a Bible, take that one, take it home, we'll replace it. We want every person to be able to be first-hander with the Bible. Now, in just a little bit, we're going to come back to this passage. But if you haven't been with us, let me just catch you up. We are in a series, as our banners say, called Give, Pray, Fast. And we've been learning how Jesus, in Matthew 6, highlights these three practices so that every one of his followers can learn how to do them in the right spirit. And so he does a lot of correcting about some of our misunderstanding of them, and he brings back a great way of teaching. And here's been the series' sentence so far that we've been talking about every week. Let's read it together. When we give, pray, and fast as Jesus teaches, it brings reward. And so again, I hope you'll see that's one of the big ideas in this series. Now, last week, Steve taught on fasting. That's where we're today. We're at the last of the nine week messages. Today, I'm going to finish on fasting. But last week, Steve started that. And if you haven't heard that message, friends, I would just just encourage you to listen. It was fantastic. And one of the things I appreciated most about his teaching is just how it was filled with a sense that corrected this idea that fasting is some kind of guilt-tripping, duty-dead ritual. And so if you're following along, look at what we hope you catch of how Jesus teaches fasting in that first line in the notes. Fasting... The way Jesus taught it, fasting is a choice. It's an invitation, not a requirement or a demand. Fasting is a choice, an invitation, not a requirement. Even in the Old Testament, Steve mentioned this last week, the only day that any Jewish person was required to fast was on the Day of Atonement. So people had a chance to get some experience with that, but that was the only time God required it. Jesus comes along, And he became our atonement. And now he says, look, now fasting is a choice. And don't mistake that as something that you don't need, but just know that it's an invitation. It's an opportunity. It's a gift. It's a blessing to be able to have a tool that can help us grow more deeply with the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you interested in that? Wouldn't you want a weapon in case you're in warfare against the evil one and other kinds of onslaught of things? So fasting is a powerful thing, and Jesus teaches us this. And here's just a basic, you know, definition of fasting, if you're following along. Fasting is choosing to give up food, and as we learned last week, sometimes other things, choosing to give up food to draw closer to God. Choosing to give up food to draw closer to God. So today we're going to see that when we give up food, it's not so we can think about the fact we're giving up food. It's replacing that with saying, I want to do something that's even more important than eating. I want to draw closer to God, and fasting gives me an opportunity to do that with more intensity, more intentionality, more conscious dependence than just normal praying and fasting. So here's here's what I want to say. If you decide to go without food and you don't replace it with worshiping and fasting and drawing closer to God, you're just on a diet. And I'm not saying that you may not want to go on a diet. What I'm saying is is that there are health benefits. Someone sent me an email right after the service last week saying, man, medically, there's all kinds of research that shows the benefits of fasting. That's true. And Jesus knows that there's multiple benefits from obeying him. But our primary reason is to draw closer to him It's to worship Him. It's to surrender to Him. It's to give our lives more anxiously and eagerly to Him. And so that's what we want you to see. And Jesus, boy, He taught this. And one of you uh, in the life groups, people said, uh, what about this whole discussion of wineskins, new wineskins, and old wineskins? What's going on there? Jesus was speaking about how if we aren't careful... You know, we will be like those religious leaders in his day that had turned fasting into some dead ritual twice a week that was like old wineskins that were starting to crack and couldn't handle the wine of God's work in their lives. Jesus said, I want to give new wineskins. I'm telling you that fasting is still important, but I want to show you how to do it in the right spirit so that it's an invitation, it's a choice, not a demand, not a requirement. Oh, man, when people begin to do it for that reason, friends, it's powerful. Now, today, my assignment is to follow up what Steve did. Last week, Steve's responsibility was to teach what fasting is and why we fast. This week, my responsibility is to talk about when we fast, what do we do, and how do we fast. And I want to be as practical as I possibly can. I hope I'm able to answer some of your questions. I know I can't answer all of them because there's no way in one message anybody could do that. But I'm going to share some resources with you later so that if you want to go farther into this, you'll be able to do that. But again, we're going to talk about the very practicals of this. And I want to show you something there in the notes. Do you see in that first gray box? How Jesus, this is as far as I know, one of the only sentences, or maybe a couple others, where Jesus talks about how to fast. And I got to tell you, I was sitting in my office this week and I was just laughing. Because look at what Jesus says. Let's read it together. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Thanks, Jesus. That answered all my questions. Now, I love what Dallas Willard says. He says in the past, when we've seen this, because he's trying to recover the right way to fast, a lot of people have heard him say, do it in secret so your father sees it. Don't do it for the crowd. Don't play to the crowd. That a lot of people think that means you can't tell anybody when you fast. But Jesus is trying to say, no, no, no. All I'm trying to do is recover something. And that is that fasting, is, as long as it's for God, is a happy thing. Therefore, you can start your day like you normally do. Comb your hair, wash your face, get a great start to your day, whether you're going to work or not, because truly, when you're feasting on God, that's a happy thing. And Christians, what we've turned it into is, oh, I'm going without food. No wonder the world wants to become Christians. That's really unattractive. But when you begin to go, I get to feast on God Instead of eating for a meal today or for a couple meals or whatever it might be, you see it as an opportunity. He says, man, wash your hair. Wash your uh, face and and comb your hair and get started that way because it's a privilege to draw near to God. So I want to pray. And then what we're going to do is look at this passage in Acts 13, look at some things we can do when we're fasting, and then I'm going to talk about how to fast. And hopefully by the time you leave here, if it's your desire to fast, you'll feel like you've got a lot more practical insight on how to get started. Let me pray. Now, Lord, you've been so good to answer these prayers. But help those of us that are the shepherds in this church to help people, your people. Help us to feed with the word of God. Amen. All right, so Acts 13, we're going to get a chance to see fasting in action. And what I want you to know is that on Thursday mornings, I mentioned this in the bulletin column, is we have a staff meeting every Thursday uh, for the full-time staff. And what we did this week is we read this passage that we're going to read here. And some of the discussion we had was fascinating. I'll mention a few comments as we go along. But what I want to say to you more than anything, one of the people on the staff said this, Jeff, when you talk about how to fast, will you just be absolutely honest with the rest of the church and tell them that we as a staff feel like first graders too? This is really, you know, it's unchartered territory for a lot of people. It's, you know, it's kind of unfamiliar. Some people have more experience than others. But even those of us with any kind of experience would tell you, we feel like it's always a continual learning process. So I want to make sure I tell you that. So I just told you that, okay? So now let's look at Acts 13. And I'll ask you to be ready with verse 3 in just a second to read that out loud with me. Now, in the church at Antioch, this was just several years after Jesus had died on the cross and ascended into heaven, uh, there's now a church that's north of Jerusalem in Antioch. Now, in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and they actually named several of them. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, again, probably means that he's a black man from Nigeria, Lucius of Cyrene, again, another area, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul the same Saul that would eventually become Paul. So they mention those five guys. One of the things I love is it shows already that Jesus is reaching people of different skin colors and different nations, and they're worshiping together, praise the Lord. And so as they're worshiping there, it says worshiping and fasting, verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, would you read verse three with me? So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, let me just make several observations about this passage, because we get a chance to see these early Christians just several years after Jesus had ascended into heaven, they're practicing fasting. You can also read about this in Acts 14, 23. Again, just some snapshots. So the very first thing I hope you see is this, if you're following along, though often done alone, they fast together. Though often done alone, they fast together. Now, to the right, I list a couple times in the Bible where people fast together. Jehoshaphat, when he had several nations, huge army coming against him, he called everyone in Judah to gather in the temple and fast, people of children to adults, and all gather there in God's presence and pray. It's a beautiful picture. And then also in um, Acts 14.23, I mentioned that earlier, where before they chose the elders, and as they chose the elders, they prayed over them by fasting and praying. So I want to just mention this again to you, that when Jesus talks about fasting in secret, what he means is, is not making a big show of it. He's not saying, if you let any person know, it doesn't count. It's not what he's saying. Because seriously, if some of you decide to fast at work, Okay? And they're going, how come you're not eating? Okay? I can't tell you. (laughs) But if you say, "Um, you know, our church is trying some things right now, and actually, I'm just going to spend lunchtime a little differently, you know, kind of seeking God at me. You can say something like that if you want to, but you can just go, you know, uh, I'm just going without a meal today, just to focus on some other things. And you know, they, they can say, well, that's weird. Tell me more. That may happen. But what I'm saying is that God's not going to go, you shouldn't have told them. Now, let me give you another example. If I decide to fast, does my wife need to know so she doesn't make a meal and get mad at me? Sure. But if I go, I'm fasting today. That's absolutely crazy. Okay. But if I go, honey, sir, I'm going to go without dinner tonight. And um, I know you know why. So thanks. I just want to be sensitive to you. You understand what i'm saying here so again a lot of people have overshot this trying to be legalistic so again this is a gracious thing and uh, what i want you to see is that they were able to do it together now in our staff meeting they said how did they how did they figure out how to do it together did they just find out that one of them was already doing it says hey i'm fasting too or did they just say hey we've got some things happening in our church right now we need to seek god a little more fervently why not next tuesday Why don't we just use that time instead of eating food to worship God with even more intensity and focus? Let's do that together. And several people, okay, I'm in, let's do that. I think that's probably what happened. They just had a conversation. Second thing I hope you'll see is they worship the Lord and pray as they fast. They worship the Lord and pray as they fast. Let me say this again. If you decide to go without food, but you don't replace it by worshiping the Lord and praying and seeking him, and drawing near to him, you're just dieting. But these guys understood something about fasting. It makes me wonder, what did they understand that we don't understand? What had they learned that we might not have yet learned? Is that there are times when we should pray and we should worship God, but sometimes in order to intensify that, in order to focus that even more, in order to go even deeper into God, we need to fast and pray. We need to worship and pray. We don't have to do it, but when we do it, wow, powerful, powerful, powerful. I love this. I love what Jensen Franklin says. He says, the discipline of fasting will humble you, will remind you of your dependency on God, And bring you back to your first love. It causes the roots of your relationship with Jesus to go deeper. Yeah, it's true. So third thing I hope you'll see is that as they fast, God shows them how to join him and he opens doors. As they fast, God shows them how to join him and he opens doors. Let me just go back for a second and tell you something else that got said in our staff meeting. One of the guys in our, our group said, uh, in our life group, as we were discussing this, it dawned on us that we didn't have to become monks to fast. In other words, like, like we've got lives, we've got jobs. So to like only retired people and people that get to stay home fast, well, it's not that they can't do that. It's just that like we learned about praying, you can work and pray. You can whistle while you work. You can do more than one thing at a time. It may be a little awkward at first. It may be a little unknown at first, but there are many people that have learned how to fast and work, how to worship and work, how to pray and work. And when you and I begin to do that, without eating food, sometimes it lets our roots go even deeper into God, and we start to see our work as a ministry. We start to see our work as the way that we honor and worship God, and all that stuff can be combined. That's a powerful insight. You do not have to abandon your normal life too fast. Now, there may be extra special seasons when you need to go away. Maybe there are some of those, but that's not the majority of the time. And so, again, notice how God Uh, shows them how to join them. It says in verse 2, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who became Paul for the work to which I have called them. Now, in our staff meeting, we said, I wonder how the Holy Spirit talked to them. Was it an audible voice? You know, was there an angel that appeared to them? Or as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, across the ticker of their minds began to come this thought, I care about people beyond the walls of your church. And I'm asking you if you will leave Antioch, a couple of you, and go and share the message with other people. And as they were doing that, all of a sudden now they started noticing a consensus. Someone says, I don't know how to share this, but I I think God wants us to send Barnabas and Saul to wherever he leads them to go in some of the cities and towns and nations beyond here. Remember what Jesus said? You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, not just Antioch. How are we going to do that? I I think this is the season. we got five teachers here. We'll still have some teachers if they go for a time and come back. I think that's what happens. Someone else says, that's what was going through my mind, too. And all of a sudden, they began to sense, Barnabas, Saul, are you... yeah, I don't know how to explain it. But as I was just surrendering my life freshly in worship to God, as I was fasting, as we were praying, just overwhelming impression of doing that. And that's why they could later say in Acts 15, it seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us that while we were seeking him, he gave us direction like this. And some of you know exactly how this works. You're not looking for God to show you a certain thing, but you cannot get it out of your mind. And the more that you realize that you're fighting that, it's not a selfish promotional thing that He's putting on your mind. It's something that would honor Him, it's something that would worship Him and glorify Him, but it's scary. And you're saying, Is this God? And you listen to other wise Christian leaders and you start to sense, I think I'm being led. I think the Holy Spirit's talking to me. Steve talked about this last week. How many of us have gone to a conference or gone to a camp or been at a certain place and we came back and knew that God had put an impression on us and showed himself to us and spoken to us in ways that didn't always happen in some of our normal days. That happens sometimes. And I think that's what went on. Now, one more thing is that By the way, I don't even have time to tell you these next few chapters. Do you realize that this was the beginning of one of the greatest mission movements that happened? There were thousands of people that would come to know Christ who had grown up in pagan families that didn't know there was a God or if there was a God, they didn't know who he was and now these people could share. There is a God and he knows your name and his name is Jesus and if you will trust in what he has done for you, you can be a completely different person. You can have hope, you can have resources that you never had before and you can have a future. And we want to share this good news with you. And man, people came to Christ in large numbers and they took beatings for it and they pressed through all kinds of suffering. But that God was in it, friends. And he opened doors, he changed lives. And here's the last thing I hope you'll see is that as they fast, there's something they believe the whole time they're fasting about God. They believe God's a rewarder of all who diligently seek him. They believe God's a rewarder of all who diligently seek him. In one of the recent times of fasting for me as I was praying, God began to bring different scripture to my mind. And one of the questions was, do you really believe this? So look at Hebrews 11:6. 6. I love this in the New King James Version. Let's read it together. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Part of what happens, what I love about fasting, friends, is that it allows me to physically feel my need for God, but also my hunger for God. There is something about how it puts a little extra oomph behind my prayers. It puts a little extra, it has this purifying effect that says, what do I really want? I want you more than food right now. I want you to work in these situations or in my life, more than you've been working. And some of you, I know you have this picture of me that the Christian life has just become easy for me or that it's just become something that I do so well if you only knew. I'm just like you. And one of the reasons why I've been drawn to fasting is because I see how carnal I am sometimes. I see how fleshly, I see how shallow I still am. And when I see that, you know, I don't just see that and go, well, I guess that's just the way. I go, this has got to change. God, I hunger for you. And I'm not depressed that I have to fast. I get to fast. What a gift. What a gift that while I'm hungry and seeking you, you will You will never fail to reward a person who diligently seeks you. You never will. You are such a great God. And so this is powerful. So when you fast, let's just talk about some things to keep in mind, okay? First, when you fast, you're emptying yourself. So empty yourself to make more room for God. Empty yourself to make more room for God. Not only are you emptying your stomach for a short period of time or a period of time, but when you're doing that, you're also emptying yourself of more than just your stomach. As I talked about earlier, some of the things that I still see, some patterns, some of the ways that I still sin in my family and stuff like that, I've found this is a great opportunity to cleanse, to be cleansed. By the way, just so you know, when you go without food for a long enough period of time, part of what's happening, you're feeling in your body, is toxins are finally being drawn out of your body. Your body is being purified in ways. That's what doctors tell you. And so it feels a little strange at first because there's all kinds of stuff that builds up in our system, isn't there, that needs to be cleansed. But in a similar way, the passages I've listed out to the right are passages where in Nehemiah 9 and also Daniel 9, when, when they fasted, they confessed their sins. We talked about the prayer of confession a few weeks ago, but this was a powerful thing, and sometimes it's just been so important for me to say, Lord, what you put your finger on in me is true about me, and I confess it to you, and I ask you to cleanse me. I want to empty myself of all the stuff that isn't you, and I want you to fill me. That's the next one. Fill me with your word. Fill yourself with God's word and feed on him. I love when Steve said that, fasting is feasting. Again, all those that teach on fasting say the same thing. It is a feast to feed on God. Now, I want to stop and say something. The Bible nowhere says that food is bad. In fact, the Bible urges us to enjoy it. And there's times in the Bible where there is feasting with food. So I hope that no one's hearing us that we need to fast because food's crummy or food's terrible. And I think all of us in here live in a nation where we love to eat, right? Is that sinful? No, I think God wants us to enjoy those opportunities. But if we're not careful, we can idolize food. If we're not careful, we can begin to think that food can do more for us than it can. And so sometimes we just need to go, you know what? I know I'm hungry for food, but maybe I'm hungry for something deeper. And right now I wanna get that separated so that I know that really what I'm really hungry for right now is more of you, God. And so these times of fasting, again, maybe if you're at work, you use your lunchtime to bring your Bible and you just focus on some things. I'll show you a little bit later how you might do that. Maybe you fill your mind with worship CDs and you just begin to say, yeah, that's my prayer too, Lord. And you begin to do those things, but you're filling your mind with God's word. And Jesus said this at the end of his 40-day fast. Which, by the way, Steve wanted me to tell you, was probably not an absolute fast like he said last week. He felt bad that he said that because it just says he went without food, not necessarily food and water, like it says about Moses when he was on the mountain. So Jesus went without that. But at the end of his 40-day fast from food, when the evil one came to him, he said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus looks at him and says, you know, it's not that I don't like bread, but man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he told his disciples one time, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what fills me up. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you feed on me, I'll fill your life differently than people that don't have me. Trust me on that one. And so you and I can use that time, again, not just to think about the fact we're going without food, but replacing that by saying, hey, I'm going without food because I want to feed on something even better and even more lasting. Next thing is ask the Lord to sharpen your and others' faith. Ask the Lord to sharpen your and others' faith. In some of the books that I've listed later in the message on the back of the notes, there's a story that both Tony Evans and Jensen Franklin share. And it's a story about two woodsmen, two loggers, that you know, were known for using their axes to chop down trees. And evidently, there's this legend that there was a young guy one day that decided he was going to challenge one of the older, more veteran loggers to a tree chopping contest to see who could chop down the most trees in one day. This guy was pretty sure he could beat this guy because he was younger and he was really fit. So the contest started. The other loggers kind of watched what was going on. And as this young guy gets going, he really was impressive. And man, did he start chopping down trees at a rapid rate. And he looked over from time to time, and he saw the veteran guy wasn't always chopping trees. Sometimes he was actually taking breaks, and he's going, I got him for sure, man. This, I'm going to beat this guy so bad. At the end of the day, the other loggers counted the trees that had been chopped down by both guys, and they reported that the veteran guy had beat the younger guy by a big margin. The younger guy's humiliated. He says, that can't be. I watch. You were taking breaks. And the veteran said, what you don't know is that while I was taking breaks, I was sharpening my axe. And therefore, the trees fell a lot more easily because you never sharpened your axe. You just kept going. Friends, let me say something. Some of us have just kept going in our own power for too long. Our spiritual lives have become dull. Maybe even when we've been seeking God and there are times to change things up and say, while I'm going through the rest of this next you know, few days, I'm gonna change it up by sharpening my ax. I'm gonna call out to God for not only my faith to be sharpened, but also, also for some other people that I know he's put on my heart. The next thing that I hope you'll see is, don't worry if your time is unspectacular or you falter. Don't worry if your time is unspectacular or you falter when you fast. As we were talking in the staff meeting again, we talked about the fact that really, while some people have baggage because they saw a bad example of fasting from somebody else or when they were younger or being forced to do it without understanding why they were doing it, the truth is a lot of us aren't willing to fast yet or don't think we need to because we know that if we start, we may not do it very well at first we actually may fall short. You know, two hours left in the fast that we said we were going to go through, there's the cheesecake. (laughs) Or I work in an office where they've got food on the table in the break room, and i got to walk past that, which is the way our break room is. (laughs) It's real, friends. But here's the deal. God knows your heart. God sees your desire to sacrifice. He sees your desire to diligently seek Him. And if you falter, you don't have to start all over again. It's not that that doesn't count. Learn the lesson you need to learn from that and keep practicing. Dallas Willard says that most of us never learn a lot about fasting because we don't do it enough times to learn. Just like anything, whether it be an athletic skill, whether it be a musical skill, whether it be some thing that now we do more naturally that was awkward at first. Same is true with fasting. Don't be afraid of that. And some of you say, Jeff, like when you fast, do like angels appear, voices from heaven speak, fireworks go on? Not most of the time. Not any times. <laughs> See, the truth is some days it's just a quiet day where I'm, I'm just saying, God, I want to meet with you. I want to draw closer to you. I don't understand all that I'm doing, but teach me along the way. And I believe that you're meeting me here. And by faith, I believe you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, whether I see it now or not. I'm going to seek you, God. And I want to get to know you better. And I will tell you this, that I'm amazed at the thoughts that go through the ticker of my mind. I'm amazed sometimes by the conversations that happen in the week that follows. I'm amazed by some of those things. But is it always dramatic? No. So if that doesn't happen for you, you're okay. It's not that something's weird about your fasting experience. The last thing is, rest in the Lord and His ability to get more done. Rest in the Lord and His ability to get more done. Sometimes when I fast, because I now feel weaker, it brings me back to the fact that I'm not as impressive and as big as I think I am. And so fasting kind of strips away all of that falseness that sometimes we think we've got to exert. And it's just a chance to finally come back and rest in God and in his grace and love for me and in his truth and to know that like that logger, you can get more done in an hour of fasting than I could in 10 of trying to exert myself to try and fix this situation. And sometimes it requires both, but friends, fasting is slowing down in order to move ahead. And when you and I do that, God works. Now, The question remains, how to fast? So would you mind turning your notes over? And I want to talk to you about this sheet. I won't go into a lot of detail, but you can see that there's a lot of information. Jensen Franklin is a pastor down in the Atlanta area. And again, I've referenced both of his books. They're up here on the communion table if you want to look at them after the service. But in their church for over 10 years now, they start January every year by fasting for 21 days. Church of several thousand people. Not everyone does it but everyone's invited. And because they've done this together as a church for a number of years now, they usually do like a Daniel fast where they modify their diet, they eat more vegetables, fruit, liquids, things like that. Some people do a normal fast where they don't have food for 21 days and just water and things like that. But again, it's not something that's decided for them, it's an invitation. And the things that they've seen are just incredible. But one of the things they do is they found That if at the beginning of deciding to fast, whether it's for one meal or for 21 days or something in between, if you don't write it down, the chances of you being more effective in it go down. That there's something about being specific and seeing it on paper and kind of saying, God, this is the direction I think you're inviting me to go, and I'm willing to commit to this. So that's what it has. Lord, by your strength and grace, I commit to fast and pray as you've invited me to do. And as I go without food to seek you more intently, fill, nourish, and strengthen me. So this is a big key. Number one, Lord, my purpose in fasting is to seek you for, whether it be guidance, fresh power, breakthrough, healing, and unsaved or wayward family member or friend, financial provision. It may be something else, and I've listed a line for you to fill it in. But last week when Steve said that the primary reason to fast is to draw closer to God, but a secondary reason is to seek breakthrough, many of us need breakthrough in our lives. There are certain things that either are breaking our hearts or mastering our lives instead of Jesus. And so he wants to work in us that way. And so what would it be? i found that when I didn't have a specific purpose, I floundered a lot more. But so like one of the most recent times I fasted, you know why I fasted? I've told you again about that bookmark of friends and family members of mine that don't yet know or trust in the Lord. I knew this time that I had been looking at that list of names for, in some cases, over 10 years and still had not seen a breakthrough. And I remember thinking, this may be a time to fast and pray. And worship and pray. And so spent some time doing that. And I'm telling you, my prayers for them were even more desperate, even more fervent. And I felt like God was saying, keep praying. I'm with you. I love how you're pouring out your heart to me. I care about them too. And man, it was just encouraging. And I don't know what's going to happen, but that was helpful to have a purpose, see? Because then when I was hungry, I'd go, Ah, oh, now why am I doing this? Oh yeah, I'm doing this because I believe that if I give my attention to this more fervently, God will hear my prayer. And I wanted to do that. Second thing is, what kind of fast should I choose? Is it gonna be alone or with others? And if it's gonna be with others, is it gonna be people in my life group? Is it gonna be my spouse? Is it gonna be a friend? Is it gonna be someone else? Sometimes you may wanna write who the other people are. Is it gonna be a full fast, a partial fast, or a fast from something else? We've talked about this before, but some of us probably shouldn't fast right now. If you are a pregnant, you know, pregnant woman, a nursing mother, a hypoglycemic, diabetic, heart issues or something like that, you definitely, definitely, definitely should consult with a doctor before you fast. You want to make sure you're wise about that. But in some cases, if you've got really serious medical questions other than what I just named, you should also consult the doctor. But here's the thing. Even if you don't fast from food, you can fast from media, you can fast from TV, you can fast from something like that. And if you do, that can still be a fast to God. You can still participate, but what would it be? Steve talked about how maybe God's showing him to fast from caffeine, coffee, right now. I don't know, but again, here's one of the things. If I talk to you about this, you may say, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, I had surgery on my knee in the last 10 days. And so uh, during that time, I, I sensed that I was supposed to fast. And so I, I've been told, you know, you're not. all my medicine said, with food. So I was thinking, oh, you know, how am I going to do that? And Steve, by the way, has medicine he has to take for his kidneys. So, again, what do you do? Well, what I found is is I could still go without food, but I could use like this, like a V8 or some kind of fruit juice like this that's still a liquid and would still give me some nourishment, but it would also coat my stomach enough that that medicine might not do havoc on the linings of my stomach. Does that make sense? And then also, I found that sometimes when I'm fasting, Sometimes, most of you know I drink hot water, and I know some of you aren't real groovy about water, but so I've tried some herbal tea sometimes when I'm fasting. Now, some of you are going, well, that's not you're not fasting, right, Jeff, because it's supposed to be just water. Hey, um, fasting's between you and God. See, and as I did this, I, I just sensed the freedom to do that but still going without food. There's a lot of different ways, but ask God to show you. And then I'll tell you that water bottles like this can be like a faster's best friend. You know, sometimes when we're hungry, we're actually thirsty and we can fill ourselves up like that. But again, just ideas there, okay? Third thing, when and how long should I fast? You can put a beginning date and an end date. Would it be one meal? Would it be two meals? A lot of people have found that if they have a work, a job situation, Going from lunch to lunch is a way to do it without drawing a lot of attention to the fact you're fasting with your coworkers. So if you eat lunch, but then you don't have supper at home that night, or you don't eat breakfast at home the next morning, and then you eat lunch at work the next day or something like that, you've skipped two meals, but during that time period, you've gone 24 hours where you've sought God. And this is why some people have worked that out. Again, if you're just starting out, the best advice is start slow just maybe go one meal and just see what God shows you in that. And then you can always try some more times. But then I've listed some other helpful resources, like I said, some of these books, and I've tried to express my indebtedness to some of these people that have talked a lot about this. But now, if you would, would you take out those booklets that are on your seats? And I just want to mention that we made these booklets so that if it would be helpful for you, and here's why these booklets were made. The leaders of this church, the elders of this church, have had a sense that God wants us to prepare for the next chapter in our church. We don't know what's down the pike, we don't know what God may want to do, but that between now and Easter, he wants us, as the elders at least, to fast and pray, to seek him even more diligently. And we say that not to impress you, but to invite you, that if that would help you to know that this would be a season where you could try between now and Easter, that's about 45, 47 days, that in those six weeks, you might want to try it. And so we're going to do that on Wednesdays. Wednesdays may not work for you. Maybe it's a different day. Maybe it's a different time period. Maybe it's just once during the next six weeks. Maybe it's several times. But again, we're just telling you this. Now, if you decided to fast for a meal or for several meals each week on Wednesday or another day, then this is a guide for you. And if you open it up, you'll see on the inside that it explains, uh, again, on page three, you know, what we're going to be doing each Wednesday and uh, some things to have ready. But let's just say you decide to use this. Each week, it'll talk about a different subject to focus on when you're fasting. One week, it's repentance. Another week, it's forgiveness. Another week, it's praying for people in your life that you know that may not yet know the Lord. Another week, it's praying for the next generation. Another week, it's about worship and awe. Another week, it's about healing. And another week, it's about abiding and remaining deeply close to God. So if you turn to page 13, you'll see an example. I'm so thankful, again, Brian was willing to put something like this together at the top. It's praying for the next generation of followers of Jesus. And that might be children or grandchildren, nieces and nephews, or the youth in our church or city. And then there's a reminder That along with the elders fasting on Wednesdays, in the office right here at this end of the building, from 6 to 7 every week between now and Easter, the elders, several of the elders are going to be available to pray with anybody that needs extra prayer. And if you come, we'll pray with you. If you ask us to anoint you with oil, we'll do that. But we want to be available that while we're fasting and praying and seeking God, we want to pray For breakthrough, we want to pray for God to be working in people's lives and trusting Him with the outcome. So, if this would help you, take it home. If it wouldn't help you, just leave it on your seat for the next person, but we'll replace yours if you take it. And that leads to this last thing. Let me just say this before you turn your notes over. What do I say when I'm fasting? You know, it's different for every person. Some of you are more introverted, some of you are more quiet, some of you are more like me, where it's more words. Here's what I've noticed, is that when I get to this place where I'm setting aside time, my prayers get shorter. And now I just pray like this. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I don't know what to do. Will you draw them to you? Will you forgive me? Lord, I'm sorry, and all these kind of prayers just start to come out of it, and maybe that's the way you'll pray too, but it's not eloquent, a lot of times it's just loving God and drawing close to him, and so as we come to the end, would you turn your notes over, and here's the question, even if you're afraid to fast, will you trust him and begin Even if you're afraid to fast, will you trust him and begin? And so what happened in our staff meeting was two comments that I just closed with in this. One of the people in the staff meeting said, When I was a young Christian, I had a humble pastor pull me aside, and I had been taught to fast as a duty. And this person said, Learn how to let the Holy Spirit show you when to fast. And they said, That really helped me. Because there was just times I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, This is a chance to fast, this is an opportunity they said, that really helped. And the second thing someone said is, Jeff, I know you're nervous about teaching on this, but you know, you taught, when I first came to Cherry Hills, you taught me how to tithe. I never knew about tithing, so I didn't have any idea, but you asked me if I would start. You called me out and that got me over the hump and I, I started out and I started. And so friends, I'm asking you, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, will you trust him? And will you begin? Or will you continue in the right spirit? Because it's an invitation. And some things only happen as we fast and pray. And now, we're going to have a dance. And Lauren, some of you have seen Lauren dance before. Some of you say, like, what am I supposed to do when somebody's moving around on the stage like that? See, dance is one of the arts that sometimes illustrates or visually shows a truth. And what she's going to be showing through the dance is to the words of, give me Jesus. We're going to take communion in just a second. And these next few weeks leading up to Easter, Isn't that really what fasting and seeking God really is about? Is give me Jesus. So watch as she dances.